0: Basically, the translation of lech lecha in its literal form, go forth, go out. And last year I talked a lot about the different translations of lech lecha, and there are many. And Jonathan Sachs, among other m- numerous uh, commentaries that I read this week, if you want to read his covenant in conversation, he gives a four-part breakdown of the different meanings of lech lecha. And ultimately... This introduces us, as I said, to Abram. Now, interestingly also, we don't, even though his name was Avram, we don't really ever refer to him as Avram anymore because we're, only if we're actually reading it in the text because he's not Avram, he's Abraham. And so after the name change, Judaism always refers to him as Abraham, but we are meeting here Avram according to the text and, you know, today, today we're just going to be happy. We're going to be happy. We're going to have fun. Last time I gave a message, which was a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was related to another article from Andy Stanley. And the truth of the matter is I kind of got angry And I want to apologize for getting angry. We should be passionate. We should care. We should have emotion. But to yell and make a fuss doesn't really get us anywhere. So I shouldn't have gotten angry, but we're going to counteract that by being extremely happy today. Happy, like not that we're going to have fluff. This isn't going to be like four... four ways that cutting your grass is like your spiritual walk, or I'm not going to give you a cheesy football analogy about having faith like Abraham is like the fourth quarter when you're on the goal line, you just got to believe. And we're not going to do those things, but we're going to have a nice, motivating, God-willing time about Abraham's testing. Rabbi, please know God, please, no, don't make me listen to another message about Abraham's faith and the tests. I know he had these tests and I know I'm probably not gonna be as good as him, but I should try to be like him. I got that the last five years when you talked about it during this Torah portion. Please don't make me listen to another one. Okay, I'll change it around. It'll be about tests, it'll be about faith, but we're gonna put a twist on it. Because have you thought about tests? Have you thought about the idea of God giving you tests? Why in the world would God need to do that? When a teacher gives a math test, it's to assess the student's mastery of the material. It's to say, do you know this? The test that God provides for us, he already knows what we know. He already knows if we'll succeed. He already knows if we'll fail. Why does he actually need to do that? I mean, just answer your own question and spare me the thing. It's like in the garden when he says to, uh, to, uh, to Abraham, I mean, to Adam or Eve, did you eat that? You know good and well I ate it, God. Why does he do this? Why does he ask questions that he knows the answers to? And why, of course, then, does he give us tests when he already knows how we're going to do? Well, the easy and, and quite quite uh, uh, um, overplayed answer is when we ask the question, who are the tests for? The tests are for God or for us. Who are they for? Of course. Of course they're for us, but Why? Why does God give us a test? Well, James says to build our faith. James 1.2, one of my favorite books, one of Martin Luther's least favorite books. My favorite book says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That's it right there. That's all you need to know. God is testing you to increase your faith. Great. To do what with it? What do you want me to, what, what does that mean? Like, what am I supposed to do with it? God rejoices that I've passed a test and now I have more faith. To do what with? To, to, to have another test so that I can have more faith? What, what exactly am I supposed to do with the faith? This is a like a it's a weird question but I mean who has an answer for that What if I pass this test and have more faith what am I supposed to do with it Share it share my faith right Is that what you said What'd you say what? So that I can do what And then I'll do another test and I'll have more faith. And and ultimately, where is it all leading me to? I mean, I know where I'm going. Why do I need to keep increasing my faith with tests? God, just keep them. I have enough faith to know that it's gonna work out. It can't be just that. It can't be just that easy. And I think about that, and I look at it, and you know that, that God rejoices that we have more faith, so He gives us these tests, and that's great. But I think He's got a lot more in mind than that, because He's God, and because He loves you, and He has your your benefit always in His mind. He does, really. That's amazing, but He does. It's for us, right, given obvious, to do what? To build more faith James says. Yes. How? What? Why is more faith better? Somebody throw one out there for that. Why is more faith better? So if I have more faith, it's better, and I can trust him that he's definitely going to give me another test to build more faith. Okay. What is it? Without faith, I'll be that. These are all good things. They're all related to God. They're all related to this also sort of Greek understanding of faith. Faith in the Greek Western mindset is what? It's a mental ascent to something, right? It's, it's I believe. I believe in my mind and in my thought process, I'm living with faith faith. And more of that makes me believe more in God. And the more I believe in God, the more I'll be like Him and I have this like mental ascent process. What is faith for? Correct. That's it. So pistis in Greek, faith, this, this idea of a mental ascent that I believe in something, and imuna in Hebrew, faith in action which is what James talks about right this is not new stuff so faith must be followed by action right okay good we got that so more faith more action it is not some abstract concept but still the tests the tests so the tests are going to give me the action motivation to do more for God? Good questions. Good questions. You can't hear this on the audio, but if you were here, you could be. You could move to Macon, and then you could come here every week, and you could Here's, here's faith. Well, actually, no. Let, let, me, let me back this up. Lech Lecha, one of the translations of Lech Lecha, which is passed down from Rashi, says, you know, I said, I said go forth. Get yourself out. One of, one of Rashi's understandings of this is, go for yourself. Go for yourself. God telling Abraham, go for yourself. Go and do these things and see what's gonna happen. And actually, I think, really, that this is probably the best way of understanding Lech Lecha. It's the best way of understanding tests. It's the best way of understanding faith. It's the best way of understanding God when you're being tested. And here's the the story. We went to Six Flags last week, my daughters and I, and Taylor and Annabelle made a deal. Taylor made a deal with Annabelle that she would ride this roller coaster called Goliath at Six Flags. She hates roller coasters. She hates a lot of things because she's a 17-year-old teenage girl. She hates moving fast like that and looking down and heights and all this, so Goliath, 220 feet high, 70 mile an hour drop, 175 foot drop at 70 miles an hour. It's like a roller coaster hater's nightmare. And where is the best place to sit in a roller coaster if you want to be most terrified? The back, actually. The back. Because, and there's a whole cool thing I was learning about, Gravity and pulling the front car down and what's happening in the back and another feeling of weightlessness and all this. So Annabelle's deal, who loves roller coasters, was I'll ride acrophobia. Anyone ever been to Six Flags in Georgia? You should go, it's fun. Acrophobia, 200-foot pole that has a circle that goes around it with chairs, seats that are all facing out on this ring that's around this pole. So you go in and you sit down on acrophobia. You walk out into this big wide open area and here's a whole ring of chairs and they're all facing out. And you sit right here in acrophobia and you're looking out at the world and you pull this harness down and you buckle it. And then the thing takes you up 210 feet in the air And this lady sings this creepy song in like a horror movie voice when you get up there. And as she's singing it, they tilt your chair out 15 degrees, which doesn't sound like much until you're 200 feet in the air, (laughs) looking down at the ground, and she's singing, ashes, ashes, we all fall. And they drop you 165 feet. Annabelle doesn't like acrophobia. <laughs> Taylor, you know what acrophobia means? Fear of heights, right? It's a, good, it's a good ride. So Annabelle's on this deal, right? Taylor rode Goliath in the back car with me. First roller coaster ride for her of that magnitude. Side note, we got puked on. <laughs> Somebody three cars in front of us threw up. That took it to a whole nother level. (laughs) That was awesome. So Taylor will never ride. If there was any chance, that person sealed the deal. But she did it, and she did it first. So then we get over to acrophobia. Annabelle. Cute little Annabelle. We walk out there. Dad, I can't do this. Annabelle, you have to do this. Dad, I can't do this. We get in the seat. Dad, 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 I, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. I said, you made a deal, Annabelle. Taylor Road. Dad, Dad, Dad. The thing goes down. Dad, Dad. And like she's about to just lose it. They buckle the seatbelt, pull it down. She's like, Dad. And I'm holding her hand. I say, you want me to hold hold your hand? She goes, no. She grabs the thing she's holding on. Her hands are blue. And as the thing begins to go up in the air, Dad, I can't do this. I said, Annabelle, you're going to do it. (laughs) It's about to happen. And we get up there. She's nearly in tears. 200 feet up in the air. And the thing tilts out and I look over at her with a big smile on my face and she's going. (laughs) She sings the song, the thing drops. And I mean, it's intense. I don't think she made a sound. And I look over at her as the seats tilting back in, I look over at her, big smile that wasn't that bad. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> now, now, what does that have to do with anything? Well, certainly faith, but actually kind of a stupid faith if you really look at it in comparison, and I'll, I'll bring that home. But this is a perfect example of God's tests. God is the center of the universe. God should be the center of your universe. But you need to understand something. He knows what you can do. The problem is you don't. The problem is, without a push, you don't know what you're capable of. And He does because He's sovereign, because He created you that way. He created you for excellence. He created you to do so much more than you will ever do without a push. And sometimes you gotta go 200 feet up in the air and look down at the ground We put our faith in a machine. I think four people died in roller coasters last year. Because the machine failed. But yet, over like a billion riders go through amusement parks and get on these things and fall 180 feet and go 70 miles down 52 52 degree inclines. Why? We trust the machine. We trust the kids who are putting us in these things and supposed to keep us safe and making sure kids are operating these machines. And we trust them and they break. God has never broken on you. Ever. And yet we question, but can you imagine, can you imagine how the story would go had Abraham not had his tests? He would never have known, but he did it because God knew what he could do and Abraham knew God. And here's my point. God gives you tests for you, but not So just so you can know him more and have faith and do all that kind of stuff, those are great religious answers. I'm talking about life in this world right now so that you will live up to your God-given potential. In this life, not about faith or the afterlife or sharing Messiah Yeshua or any of those things. Those are great religious concepts, but I'm talking about the roller coaster of life. And you see, there's God's, okay, I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. I can do nothing apart from God. Yeah, but each of them has to do with you doing something, right? And the doing you do will very likely be uncomfortable doing at times for your own good so that you will be what God has called you to be. Because if you continue to read James, the James continuation is, faith leads to perseverance, right? Produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In relation to what? Lacking in nothing in relation to what? Some perfect spiritual ideal of the perfect man or woman? Yeah, that would be nice, but lacking in nothing relative to the purpose for which God has made you to live on this earth and you all have a purpose. And without these things, you will lack something. There is a story told of a a, a, a Hasidic Reb Zusha. Probably everyone knows this story. Reb Zusha was dying. He was laying in his bed as he had tears in his eyes streaming and his disciples came and they said, Reb Zusha, you've lived such a good life. You're a good man. You've lived Torah. You've been a blessing. Why are you crying? Surely you know that you're going to a good place. He said, yeah, I know. And he said, when I get to heaven, God is not going to ask me, why weren't you like Moses? Why weren't you like David? God's going to ask me, why weren't you Reb Zusha? Why didn't you live up to the potential that you had from me? I gave you tests for you, for you just simply so that your life would be better, that you would have a more fulfilled life. And the very, very, very important part of that that we don't want to miss is that we will get better with every test and our potentials become reality. But as Lance talked about last week, we are co-laborers with God, living under your potential. Prevents you from being that. There is a word for trials, it's called Nisayon. We say it in the in the nisayon. Keep us from trials. Many commentators uh, have, have discussed the fact that this word Nisayon has to do with, uh, is connected to the Hebrew word nes. Nes, which is a banner. You know the term Adonai Nisi. Adonai, my banner, nes nisayon. And there's a very cool and awesome thing about your trials being compared to a banner. What happens with a banner? A banner is raised. A banner is raised on a pole and at its height, it flies and demonstrates to the world who you are. It's your identity and so you imagine when they go out in the school and they put this flag, they connect the flag to the thing, the nest, and they're pulling it up of the little rope that raises the flag, each pull is a trial. Each pull, Nisayong, each pull that raises the flag is something that God's doing that's raising you incrementally to your potential. And so many People in life will never arrive there. They will not raise their flag because they will reject a test. They will, failing a test is different. But let me also say this one quick thing. Why does does Yeshua tell us to pray that that we're not tempted that we don't have these trials? Well, I got a story for you. It's not a story, it's in the Talmud, Sanhedrin 107. David is saying to God, David, the man after God's own heart, king, descendant, uh, 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 the, the, what's the word? Forerunner, the pre-runner, what's the word I want? Anyway, you know what I mean. Ancestor of Mashiach. David says to God, you know, I'm confused. Every day in the prayers, it says, Abraham the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. What about me? The God of David, I mean, I've got it going on. I'm a pretty good guy. Like, why why can't I be in the mix? And God says this, because you were never tested like the patriarchs. Now listen to that. Let that sink in for just one second. David, think about David's life. And God tells him you weren't tested on the level they were, okay? But he says, you weren't, you weren't tested. He goes, but it's okay, God, I can handle it. I can handle it, test me. And God says to David, you know what I'll do? I will, but I'm even going to tell you what the test is. It's gonna be in the area of physical temptation. So David here it is, and what happens next is Bathsheba, and what happens? Does he pass the test? No. What's the story? Don't ask for tests. Do not invite tests. And when James says in, in chapter, in verse 13, he says, uh, no, not 13. What does he say that? Where does he say that? Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. So what does that mean? It means we're going to have tests. Don't invite them. And certainly don't try to say that if you invite a test, that it's God tempting you. There's a difference between testing and temptation. But the idea, of course, is, and Yeshua says, you know, why don't... Keep us far from these trials. Yeah, I don't want to have to do all of them. Like, I'm not going to say, God, here I am. I'm not even going to say that out loud, actually. But you've got to have them, don't you? Abraham had 10. And the list of those 10 are different according to whose interpretation you're reading. But our, our, uh, my idea of the first one is this. Lech lecha, get yourself out. Four You're good. That's so non that's so non-Godish. That's that's not holy. Like everything I do, I I should be a shining light of kadosh. You can't be anything without some testing. You can't be who you are without some testing. And so we see this this idea of, of Nisayon, these trials being raised up, and I love this idea, and of all people, Abraham. The faith of Abraham. The world calls on the merit of Abraham. The world. And it was just because he was willing to be tested and he handled it with faith because he believed in the machine and i'm referring back to our roller coaster conversation god is obviously not a machine god never fails ever and any and every test is for your own good here and now and here and now matters for there and so In closing, I know everybody in this room has tests. I know everybody in this room has their nest, their rope going up the flagpole at times. And I know people get frustrated and they lose faith like Steve said. And some turn on God and some blame God. And if I could only tell you the stories, that I've heard even this week, tragic, horrendous, horrible, horrible stories. A young man I know lost his one and a half month old, one and a half year old child. And when I went to see him at the hospital, you know what he said? I guess it's a test. Or it is a test. He didn't say, I guess it is. He said, it is. And I wonder if I could have that faith. But the truth is, that's what it takes. And that's difficult. But again, I'm referring back to Lance. God gives us these things for our benefit to be who we can be. And God tests who He knows can pass. Do you know that? Why don't the wicked get tested? Because they're going to fail miserably. God tests the righteous. And He knows. And He'll go through it with you. And He's already given it to you. He's given you what you need. But still you have the free will. That's the one thing He hasn't given you is an absolute robot mentality. You will make the choice. And when you do, it will be for your good. So raise your banner. Be a co-laborer. Live up to your potential. And really think about this. Think about it. Think about it in terms of Abraham. Think about it in, in, in terms of what it looks like on the other side of every worthwhile test you've ever been on. Think about how you become better. For God And for other people. And that's what our everyday existence is about God and other people. Love Him. Love your neighbor. So here's to the test Shabbat Shalom.